Hey everybody, welcome to Props and Hops, powered by Dimers.com. I'm Matt Landis, and in this episode we'll work through the NFL Week 14 board through the lens of the best football gambling podcasts, plus some original analysis. We'll also talk some beer and break down some bets, so to kick it off, let's dive into what we're hearing. Loud noises! I've spent the week listening to the most prominent handicappers on the best NFL betting podcasts. In this episode, I'll share insights from 11 bettors across six different podcasts, totaling about 10 hours worth of listening, and I'll distill that down to about half an hour of the most actionable takeaways, including seven bets across the point spread, total, team total, teaser, and prop markets. It does feel like we might have more entertainment value than betting value this week. From an entertainment standpoint, there's some nice balance between the early and late games on Sunday, and from a betting standpoint, seeing a lot of tight lines out there, but all 15 Sunday and Monday games currently on track to go off as scheduled, and they're all on the board at at least some books. That means we do still have some edges to uncover, so let's run through the NFL Week 14 slate. First game on the board, Tennessee at Jacksonville. The line as I record this Friday morning Pacific time. Titans laying 7.5 with reduced VIG, total 52.5. And And we had two likes on the Titans as a teaser leg. Steve Fezzik on the Even Money podcast and Andy Molitor on the Deep Dive podcast. Also one like on the over, TA from the Sharp Angles podcast. As far as the Titans go as a teaser leg, Fezzik liked pairing them with the Giants. And Andy also liked taking Tennessee down through the key numbers of 7-3. Looking at the over, T.A. said the Titans' defense is putrid, Mike Glennon capable of exploiting that for Jacksonville. T.A. noted, Glennon has thrown the ball at least 20 yards downfield on more than 20% of his passes since stepping under center for the Jaguars. That's the most in the NFL. And on the other side of the ball, the Jaguars' defense very beatable through the air. And one note I'll add to that last point, the Jaguars' defense has already been beat up for a few weeks, and now they might be especially fatigued. They were on the field for 85 snaps and more than 37 minutes last week in an over time loss in Minnesota. Up next, Dallas at Cincinnati, Cowboys laying three and a half, total 42 and a half, one like on the Bengals. That came from Matthew Holt on the Dream Preview. He pointed out this line shows no adjustment from the look-ahead line despite the Cowboys' poor showing Tuesday night in Baltimore. He thought the Cowboys' defense looked really clueless. Even the Bengals might be able to get something going against Dallas on Sunday. Next game on the board, Arizona at the Giants, Cardinals laying three, total 45, four likes on the Cardinals, Andy, Drew Densick on the deep dive, Adam Chernoff on the simple handicap, and Matthew Holt making the Cardinals his best bet on the dream preview. I will note all these likes came before the line moved to three, so consider reducing the amount if you want to lay the full field goal with the Cardinals. We also had two likes on the Giants against the spread, Fezzik and RJ Bell on the dream preview, as well as two likes on the Giants as a teaser leg, once again Fezzik, that was on the Even Money podcast, along with TA. Looking at the Cardinals side of things, Andy said he likes this number up to minus three. It's a power ratings play for him, the Cardinals being the clear better team. Drew agreed with that sentiment. Andy also said he likes the element of a free roll here. If Daniel Jones returns, his mobility could be limited coming off a hamstring injury. That could be an advantage for the Cardinals defense. Look at Matthew Holt's breakdown. He had this as his best bet when the line was at minus one and a half. He only makes Jones a minimal upgrade over Colt McCoy. He also thinks Kyler Murray's shoulder gonna be getting healthier, and it's an overreaction in his eyes to the Giants win last week at Seattle. Matthew Holt says except for the Seahawks, the Giants defense has been overrated based on great stats lately against weak opposition. On the Giants side of things, there has been a line move against these likes at plus one and a half, but Fezzik on the Dream Preview said that Murray's only rushed five times in each of the last three games. That's a sign his shoulder isn't improving. RJ agreed with that statement. Fezzik also notes the Cardinals offense 
limited without Murray's dual threat ability, and he said this could be a good bet to parlay with the under, because if Murray isn't healthy, the Giants' side could be correlated with fewer points being scored in the game. On the Giants' teaser side of things, Fezzik liked pairing them with Tennessee, and TA liked the idea of taking them up through the key numbers of 3 and 7, although at the current number, I'll note the math says you're probably better off just taking the flat plus 3 with the Giants. Up next, Houston at Chicago, Texans laying one total 45.5, one like on the Bears, that came from Fezzik on the Dream Preview, two likes on the Texans, RJ and Matthew Holt, so there was some crossfire there against Fezzik. Looking at Fezzik's handicap on Chicago, not too much to it, he noted Houston, a dome team heading north to cold weather, but for the Texans, RJ countered saying the Bears have the worst rush offense in this game, so the weather could affect the home team even more. The Texans also coming off a misleading loss against the Colts last week, they had a second and goal at the two just needing to punch it in for a win on the final drive of the game. That was a really tough loss for them, but Deshaun Watson kept up his spectacular form of late, even in the team's first game without Will Fuller. RJ expects that to carry on moving forward. Next game on the board, Denver at Carolina. Actually off the board at most books, we are seeing some Panthers minus 3 with a total of 46, but since it's not widely available, let's move on. Minnesota at Tampa Bay. Bucks laying 6.5 with some extra big, total 52.5. One like on the Vikings, that came from Adam. One like on the over, that came from Andy. On the Vikings side, Adam says he likes it with the condition being that he wants a flat plus 7, and he thinks that number is going to show based on the way things are heading, and he thinks that number simply too big when looking at these teams matched up against each other. On the over, Andy took 51.5. That's a good number. Consider a slightly reduced amount if you're looking to play the over at the current number of 52.5. Minnesota, in Andy's eyes, won't be able to get much pressure on Tom Brady. That means the Bucks' offense should be able to impose its will. And on the other side of the ball, if and when Tampa Bay has a lead, which Andy thinks they will, Kirk Cousins, great in garbage time. One more note I think is worth considering when you look at this game. The Vikings were more underwhelming than that 27-24 final score would suggest in last week's win over the Jaguars. Minnesota went plus two in turnovers. They still needed overtime just to win outright as a double-digit favorite, and they were fortunate to win by any margin. They were outgamed by the Jaguars by almost a full yard per play. Next game on the board, Kansas City at Miami. Chiefs laying seven with extra vig, total 50 and a half. And we had some good two-way action in this one. Three likes on the Chiefs, Suma on the Matchbook podcast, along with TA and Adam. Three likes on the Dolphins, Drew, RJ, and Fezzik on the Dream Preview. On the Chiefs side of things, Suma let off with a handicap. The Dolphins' defense is blitz heavy. That exploits some bad quarterbacks they faced so far this season, but Patrick Mahomes, very good against the blitz. T.A. shared that point as well, and T.A. also noted he likes this as an angle to fade Tua. He just doesn't think he can hang in a shootout, and he notes the Dolphins have been living off turnover and special teams advantages lately. Those are advantages they shouldn't get against the Chiefs, and Adam implied a like on the Chiefs as well, saying teams have played up to Kansas City all year long, but the Chiefs keep finding different ways to handle whatever gets thrown their way. On the Dolphins side of things, Drew took them at plus 7.5. He thought the line should be 6.5, so he was taking the key point of value crossing through 7. He said the Dolphins' pass defense should be good enough to keep this one close. He also thinks the Dolphins' defense is vulnerable against the run, but the Chiefs' offense not equipped to capitalize on that. Suma pushed back here, saying the Chiefs' offense is good at running on early downs this season. TA also had some positive things to say about the Kansas City ground game. I think the angle here could be that the Chiefs aren't really physical enough to run while the defense knows it's coming, but the defense has to respect the pass against the Chiefs on early downs, and that can open up some holes for the ground game. On the other side of the ball, Drew noted the Dolphins' offensive line is improving. He thinks the Chiefs will struggle to generate pressure, but Suma countered that even though the Dolphins' offensive line could be improving, they're still not very good. He expects Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo to dial up some schemes that'll get pressure on Tua. 
RJ noted in his handicap for the Dolphins, the Chiefs are overrated based on their reputation as the defending champs. He also thinks two is improving. Fezzik echoed that point as well. Two points I'll add to this game. The Chiefs are coming off a misleading final last week. They dominated the Broncos. The signal from that game, the Chiefs outgained the Broncos by almost three yards per play. And getting into the noise, the Chiefs were 0 for 4 in the red zone. Meanwhile, the Broncos were 2 for 2. And looking at third and fourth downs, the Chiefs only converted 30% of the time and the Broncos converted half the time. The red zone and third and fourth down numbers tend to regress toward the mean. I think we could see a positive swing in that variance for the Chiefs this weekend. I also think there's been a lot of talk about this being a look-ahead spot for Kansas City since they play at New Orleans next week, and we need to put that narrative to rest. The Chiefs might not cover in this one, but it's not going to be because they're not focused. They're neck and neck right now with the Steelers for the number one seed in the AFC, when that top seed's never been more important since there's only one playoff by this season. So yeah, the Dolphins are going to bring their A game on Sunday, but I also think we should expect to see the Chiefs put their best foot forward. Moving on to the late window on Sunday, Indianapolis at Las Vegas, Colts laying three with reduced vig, total 51, another game with a lot of action, two likes on the Raiders, Rob Pizzola on the Matchbook podcast, as well as Matthew Holt, four likes on the over, Fezzik on the Even Money podcast, Suma, Drew on the deep dive, and RJ. On the Raiders side of things, Rob said they're a good team and they've played at the low end of their range the last couple weeks, so there could be some recency bias in play. And looking at the Colts, Rob notes Phillip Rivers is very reliant on protection from his offensive line, and that line's banged up right now. He notes the Raiders' defense might be bad, but when looking at expected points added per play and DVOA, that's a better unit than the Titans and Texans' defenses that have held the Colts' offense in check the last couple weeks. And on the other side of the ball, Rob notes the Raiders likely getting Trent Brown back to fortify their offensive line. Drew touched on this in his case for the over. Rob also notes the Raiders should be more aggressive if they do need to play without star running back Josh Jacobs. That's a point Fezzik touched on in his case for the over. And speaking of the over and Fezzik's handicap, Fezzik also noted the Colts are showing improvement at the skill positions. T.Y. Hilton finally showing some resurgence and Jonathan Taylor finally breaking through recently. It would be icing on the cake, Fezzik noted, if left tackle Anthony Costanzo can get back in action and he did return to practice on Thursday so there's a good chance that happens. And something else to like about the over, the Colts offense might be getting healthier, but we can't say the same for the Raiders' defense. In Suma's handicap, he notes the Raiders' secondary likely going to be without cornerback Damon Arnett, and safety Jonathan Abram has also been limited in practice this week. The Raiders made the Jets' offense look good last week, and Suma notes the Colts might look even better since they represent a step up in class. Suma also says the Colts' defense is overrated, so he thinks Derek Carr well-suited to exploit their zone scheme. Drew noted he thinks the total should be 54. There's no weather factor in this one. He sees poor pass rushes on both defenses and doesn't think the Colts' defense has an answer for the Raiders' personnel at the pass-catching positions, tight end Darren Waller and wide receiver Henry Ruggs. I like the over. I think we could see a lot of variance on the side in this one after misleading wins from both teams last week. The Raiders won the turnover battle and still needed a miracle to win outright as heavy favorites at the Jets. They went minus 0.4 yards per play for the full game, and that number looks even worse before accounting for the 46-yard game-winning touchdown. For the Colts, it was a similar story. They went plus two in turnovers and needed a miracle of their own to win as the favorite in Houston. They were outgained by almost a full yard per play, and they were facing a near-sure loss outright and against the spread, if not for a Texans botched snap when they had second and goal from the two in the final moments. Next game on the board, Jets at Seattle, Seahawks laying 13 and a half, total 47, two likes on the under, Drew and Rob. Drew said he makes the under good down to 46, he thinks the total should be 44 and a half, and in his words, it's been idiotic for Seattle to keep focusing on the run, but that's what they've been doing lately, Rob touched on that point as well. 
And the guys think that this is especially important when looking at the Jets' defense, stopping the run, their lone strength. On the other side of the ball, Drew also notes the Seahawks' defense is getting healthy and playing much better of late. Up next, Green Bay at Detroit, Packers laying 7.5, total 55. Three likes on the Packers against the spread. Rob made them his best bet. Adam and TA also liking the Packers minus the points. Two likes on the Packers is a teaser leg. Fezzik on the Even Money podcast and Andy. Looking at the Packers against the spread, Rob's best bet, he can't see the Lions getting stops against the Packers offense. TA brought this up as well. Adam also noted the Lions defense has been getting torched recently by far worse quarterbacks, and TA quantified this by saying the Lions have a bottom five pressure rate defensively. Aaron Rodgers, the number one quarterback rating in the league from a clean pocket. In Adam's handicap, he also said he makes the Packers a double-digit favorite. He notes that Week 2, Aaron Rodgers had one of his worst games of the season. The Packers still beat the Lions by three touchdowns, and the Lions likely to be without Kenny Galladay on Sunday yet again. Looking at the Packers as a teaser candidate, Fezzik liked them enough to pair them with two different teams, the Saints and the Chargers, and Andy also on board with taking the Packers down through the key numbers of 7-3. and three. Up next, Atlanta at the Chargers, Falcons laying 1.5, total 49. We've seen a Friday morning line move toward the Chargers on the news Julio Jones going to be out for the Falcons. One leg on the Chargers against the spread, TA, and one leg on the Chargers is a teaser leg, Fezzik on the Even Money podcast. Looking at the Chargers against the spread, TA took them at plus 3 with heavy vig. That number translated more like a plus 2.5 flat, so most if not all the value could be gone at the current number, but in case it trickles back up, here's his handicap. The Falcons, the closest match to the Chargers in the league in terms of futility and close games. TA also notes the Chargers have been undone recently by special teams, but the Falcons also bad on special teams. And TA also points out the Chargers' defensive weakness is stopping the run. They are number two defensively at pass success rate. Atlanta has a poor rush offense, so they're going to need to rely on their passing game, and now we know that's going to be without Julio Jones against a good Chargers pass defense. On the Chargers' teaser side of things, as touched on in the last game, Fezzik pairing them with the Packers. Next game on the board, New Orleans at Philadelphia. Saints laying 6.5, total of 43. One like on the Eagles, Drew's best bet on the Matchbook podcast. Quick note, he got them at plus 7.5, and, and he made the Eagles good to plus 7 if that number returns. Two likes on the Saints against the spread, Adam and RJ. One like on the Saints is a teaser leg, Fezzik on the Even Money podcast. One like on the under, that also came from Fezzik, but that like came when the total was 44.5. The total, just like the point spread, has moved quite a bit recently, and we're looking at a different equation with a total of 43. On the Eagles side of things, as mentioned, Drew got plus 7.5, and, and he likes it down to plus 7. His handicap brought up the Saints coming in on their third straight road game. They might be rushing Drew Brees back, so he recommended holding on the plus 7, waiting for Brees to be confirmed in, thinking plus 7.5 would return. Of course, since the Matchbook and Deep Dive podcasts recorded, we've seen reports surface that Brees likely out this Sunday, so plus 7 likely going to be the peak for the Eagles, and you're probably going to want to take it if we see the full touchdown again, and you want to back the Eagles in this one. On the Saints side of things, Adam implied that he likes them, saying Jalen Hurts has a lower floor than Carson Wentz, and it's more likely we see that floor in Hurts' first career start against the best defense in the league. RJ made a similar point. Adam also noted it's especially likely we see that floor since Coach Doug Peterson announced this decision on Tuesday, removing the element of surprise for the Saints' defense. Drew did offer a dissenting angle on this one on the deep dive. He thinks Hurts' mobility makes the Eagles less prone to drive-killing sacks they've suffered with Carson Wentz at quarterback this season. 
Looking at RJ's handicap on the Saints, he says Sean Payton coaching extremely well, and even with another week of Taysom Hill, the Saints have the quarterback edge in this one. RJ especially likes the Eagles team total under. Fezzik agreed with that one because he leans to the Saints and likes the under. And I'm seeing the under priced at 17.5 minus 110. That minus 110 is actually reduced big as far as team totals go, and I like that angle. I also lean to the Saints and the under at the current numbers, and this angle could be especially strong knowing that Jason Peters is going to be out. That could leave a big void on the Eagles offensive line. On the Saints teaser side of things, Fezzik paired them with the Packers, although I'll note at the current number, you're probably better off just laying the 6.5 points with the Saints if you want to get involved with them. And again, touching on the under, Fezzik getting it at 44.5, most if not all of that value is gone at 43, but his handicap, Philadelphia likely to be more run heavy with Hertz making his first start at quarterback. One more game in the late window on Sunday before we get to Sunday Night Football. Washington taking on San Francisco and Arizona. Go figure, only in 2020. 49ers laying three with some extra vig. Total of 43. And we have three likes on the 49ers. Fezzik, Matthew Holt, and Adam. One like on Washington. That came from Dave Esler on the Dream Preview. And looking at the 49ers side of things, Fezzik notes they have a strong recent track record with extended road trips. And with this being their second straight week playing a quote-unquote home game in Arizona, it kind of equates to one long road trip. Matthew Holt adding he thinks we've seen an overreaction to Washington after they won in Pittsburgh. Also calling out Antonio Gibson suffering a turf toe injury, his status in doubt, and Adam implied a like on the 49ers if and when we see the flat minus three. On the Washington side, Esler took plus three and a half. Consider a reduced amount if you're looking to take Washington for one of those cheap plus threes out there. Part of Esler's handicap centered on a narrative, the 49ers not being motivated. I don't put any stock in that, but I do think he brought up a fair point when he touched on Washington's recent form, meaning more than the season-long stats, with Alex Smith now at quarterback and hitting his stride. Moving on to Sunday Night Football, Pittsburgh at Buffalo, Bills laying two, total 48, and we had action all over the place in this one. Five likes on the Bills, Suma made them his best bet on the Matchbook Podcast, Rob also on the Bills on the Matchbook Podcast, Fezzik made the Bills his best bet on the Dream Preview, and Matthew Holt and Tommy the Hitman also liking Buffalo on the Dream Preview. One like on the Steelers' money line, Drew on the deep dive, two likes on the Steelers is a teaser leg, Andy and TA, and one like on the over, that was Rob, but that came at 46.5, so it's a different equation at the current number of 48. On the Bills side of things, Suma kicked off his handicap, noted the Steelers' defense is shorthanded at multiple levels. Matthew Holt and the Hitman also touched on this. Suma calls out linebacker Bud Dupree lost for the season to a torn ACL a couple weeks ago. The Steelers had also lost star linebacker Devin Bush to a torn ACL earlier in the season, and Bush's replacement suffered a knee injury last week. Meanwhile, cornerback Joe Hayden didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday, recovering from a concussion, his status in doubt this weekend, and he thinks the Bills' offense is poised to take advantage with offensive coordinator Brian Dable scheming up optimal game plans tailored to opposing weaknesses throughout the season. Suma also notes on the other side of the ball, the Steelers' offense has been limited lately to the short passing game, the Hitman touch on this as well. Suma said the Bills' defense has been getting healthier, with key cog Matt Milano returning last week, Rob liked this and his point for the Bills as well, with Rob also noting Buffalo's defense underrated if we look at their season-long numbers. They've been very strong looking at their recent form, something Fezzik echoed. And when it comes to the Steelers' offense, RJ pushed back with a different angle, saying the Steelers have been using the short pass game as an extension of the run, kind of like what the Patriots did with Brady for years. He says the Steelers prioritizing yards, points, and efficiency over the pass-to-run ratio. One more point for Suma on the Bills, in addition to the Steelers' defensive injuries and the Steelers' offensive limitations, he says the Steelers' record and stats have been propped up this season by an easy schedule. 
Diving into Fezzik's take on the Bills, he notes this is the Steelers' third game in 11 days, and they don't really have much of a ground game. Suma and the Hitman touched on these points. Fezzik also notes the Steelers looking at added fatigue beyond playing their third game in 11 days because they didn't get a true bye week this season. They practiced for Tennessee during week four before that game was rescheduled, so that emergency week four bye came a long time ago, and the Bills, even though they played this past Monday night, so they're coming in on a short week as well, they had their bye much more recently in week 11. Fezzik also noting he likes that the Bills seem to be peaking right now as a team. On the Steelers' side of things, Drew taking the money line at plus 125. Consider a reduced amount if you want to follow that bet. Now the current price looking more like plus 105. Drew sees it as a good buy low, sell high spot. Steelers underrated in the market versus the Bills coming off an A-plus game last week being priced at a premium. He thinks the Bills will have a tough time repeating that against the Steelers' pass rush. Their second and third levels defensively are beat up, but that line still strong. Drew also thinks wind in the forecast could be a big problem for Josh Allen passing. He's not the most accurate quarterback in the best of conditions. And Drew also thinks there's some recency bias in play here, an overreaction after the Steelers were minus two and a half on the look-ahead line. The flipping favorites, implying Buffalo now a class above Pittsburgh, simply not true in Drew's eyes. Looking at the Steelers as a teaser candidate, Adam said he likes them because even though their defense is banged up, they're at least going to be able to game plan around it this time. They suffered some linebacker and cornerback injuries mid-game last week, so that was a tougher wrinkle to recover from. On the other side of the ball, Andy notes the Steelers had a ton of drops last week. That can only get better, and their backfield going to be bolstered with James Conner likely returning. TA also liking the Steelers as a teaser leg. He sees this number as an overreaction to the Steelers' loss and the Bills' win last week. Looking at the over, Rob took it at 46.5. Most, if not all, that value has gone at 48. But in case the total trickles back down and you want to get involved on the over, Rob said he likes it because he's confident the Bills are going to be able to move the ball against the Steelers' defense, and that could force the Steelers' offense to get more aggressive when they have possession. Moving on to Monday Night Football, Baltimore at Cleveland, Ravens laying 2.5, total of 47, 3 likes on the Ravens, Drew on the Matchbook Podcast, along with Suma and Adam. I'll note these likes came when the line was closer to pick'em. Consider a slightly reduced amount, although it's not a bad idea to get in under that key number of 3. One like on the Browns, RJ's best bet on the Dream Preview, and one like on the over, Drew on the Matchbook Podcast. Looking at the Ravens' side, Drew's handicap, Baker Mayfield was great last week, but he was getting no pass rush from the Titans. The Ravens' defense, much better at generating pressure, and for Mayfield, it's night and day when looking at his production versus pressure and without pressure. Adam echoed this point, and on the other side of the ball, Drew noted the defense for the Browns, not any good. The Ravens' run game should succeed, and he said on the deep dive he doesn't have a bet on this game, but it's less because he doesn't like the Ravens, and more because he already has exposure on them thanks to a recent futures bet on them to win the AFC. Suma seems like he does have a bet on the Ravens here. He said the Browns' offense feeds off its run game, and he thinks the Ravens shut that down. Adam touched on a similar point. Suma also noted it should be a favorable matchup for the Ravens' secondary when the Browns need to pass, and on the other side of the ball, the Browns' defense, no Ronnie Harrison in the secondary, cornerback Denzel Ward's status also up in the air, and the Browns' rush defense has also been getting gashed by far lesser ground games recently. For good measure, Suma notes the Ravens getting tight end Mark Andrews back. Adam touched on this and also notes they're getting a key addition at wide receiver with Willie Sneed likely back in action on Monday. 
On the Brown side, RJ making them his best bet. He said the Ravens' Tuesday win over the Cowboys was deceiving. Not that impressive when you factor in the Cowboys' unfamiliar with Baltimore's scheme. Cleveland is the division opponent, knows it quite well. And RJ also said in the last month, the Ravens are trending down on defense, with the Browns trending up on both sides of the ball. And RJ seemed really heavy this week on team trend lines over the past month. There is something to be said for recent form, but even when we look at the course of a full season, sample size is really small in the NFL, so I think we should be mindful of that, especially when looking at arbitrary time frames. I think we should also consider schedule and health. And from a schedule standpoint, let's go back more than a month. Let's go back two months to week six. And if we define a clearly above or below average team as being more than one point above or below zero in power ratings, it's been a tough go lately for the Ravens. The Cowboys were the first clearly below average team they've faced since week six. And meanwhile, it's been an easy go for the Browns. Zero clearly above average opponents since week six. And that's about to change on Monday night. From a health standpoint, the Ravens also suffered through a COVID outbreak and they had key injuries on both sides of the ball. That seems to be improving for them now. And the Browns did lose Miles Garrett for a couple games to COVID. He's back now, but they had nothing near the Baltimore outbreak. The Cleveland secondary also still in the throes of getting by without Ronnie Harrison and Denzel Ward also looking iffy for Monday night. Looking at the over, Drew took 45 and a half. He made the total 48. Most of that value is gone with the current number of 47, but in case it trickles back down, his handicap, the Browns, star right guard Wyatt Teller currently on the COVID reserve list, but that was a close contact. Teller didn't test positive, so it looks like he's going to play as long as he continues not to test positive. It is worth monitoring as Teller is the number one guard in the league, according to Pro Football Focus. So monitor teller status and also monitor the weather if you're looking at the over. Drew likes the over a lot barring bad weather and the current forecast not looking like a big factor, but we do have a recent history of seeing things change pretty quickly leading up to games in Cleveland. On the deep dive, Andy and Drew also made their secret podcast play, the Browns team total under 23. And right now I'm seeing 22.5 with some extra vig, as well as 21.5 with reduced vig. Since 22 is a dead number, 21.5 is a better value for the price, and under 21.5 at that reduced vig is just about on par with a flat 23. Alright, so we've made it through a full slate, 15 games scheduled to go as scheduled on Sunday and Monday. That calls for a beer break. Let's dive into what we're drinking. The Patriots organization isn't the only thing to make its way from Boston to Los Angeles recently. Thanks to a friend back east who sent me a holiday gift as a very pleasant surprise. This week's show beer, Double Dry Hopped Julius by Treehouse Brewing Company in Charlton, Massachusetts. That's located about one hour outside of Boston. And House of Yards listeners may recall David Malinsky and I featuring Julius on a show in 2017. And as good as that was, the Double Dry Hopped version is basically Julius on steroids. Double Dry Hop Julius clocks in at 6.8% ABV. The appearance, cloudy golden orange with a white head. It looks almost as heavenly as it tastes. I'll post a photo on Instagram, at Props and Hops. And the aroma and flavor, I think it's best to quote Treehouse when they say, they pushed the level of citrus to the fringes of obscenity. They're not wrong when making that claim. This one bursting with orange, grapefruit, and tangerine. And you can also pick up on some stone fruit, pineapple, and mango, plus a restrained hot bite. These add nice balance and remind you it is still a beer. The mouthfeel creamy and smooth, yet still light and refreshing. Overall, Double Dry Hop Julius belongs on the Mount Rushmore of IPAs, if not in its own class at the very top. And to drink the best, we've got to pay for the best. Let's work to build that bankroll through the NFL Week 14 betting portfolio. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. 
One side going in pocket this weekend, the Ravens minus two and a half at the Browns, and let's call that good for eight-tenths of a unit after the line had been available for pick'em and minus one earlier in the week, but I do still like the Ravens. I expect their defense to pressure Baker Mayfield and to contain the run game, and on the other side of the ball, the Browns' secondary speed up and their weak rush defense vulnerable to the Ravens' scheme. Also playing one total this weekend, Colts Raiders over 51. The Raiders defense has been bad and now their secondary seems to be hanging on by a thread. And the Colts defense, not great in its own right, they seem to be overrated. This looks like a good matchup for the Raiders offense looking at the scheme and personnel involved. Also going to play one team total this week, the Eagles under 17.5. I lean Saints and under for the full game, and I really like isolating the Eagles team total, getting in play on the NFL's best defense to give Jalen Hurts trouble in his first career start. So with only one side total and team total in play, it was shaping up to be a light portfolio, but tis the season to be teasing. Three teasers worth getting in play this week on possibly the best teaser board on a season full of promising teaser boards. Favorite teaser of the week, Packers minus one and a half at the Lions, paired with the Steelers plus eight at the Bills. For Green Bay, it's tough to see stops for that Lions defense, and we're asking the superior team to do little more than win outright. And for the Steelers, there's some recency bias in play. I think we're seeing an overreaction to last week's results. Another good teaser to get in pocket this weekend, Titans minus one and a half at Jacksonville, Kansas City minus one at Miami. For the Titans, it's a buy low spot after last week, and the Jaguars defense that's already been beat up could show some extra fatigue coming off overtime on the road last week. For the Chiefs, I think we see some value because of a misleading final score last week, and also a look-ahead narrative getting blown out of proportion. Kansas City simply in a different class than Miami right now. This is also one of the few weeks presenting enough options to get in play with a six-team, six-point teaser. Some books are paying seven to one. That's the return you should look for for this type of bet. I like to place it for a fifth of a unit. And as far as the teams to include, of course, the Packers, Steelers, Chiefs, and Titans also liking the Chargers as the fifth leg. And for the sixth team, I really like Chicago. There are a few plus one and a halves out there. You'd need that to get them up through seven to seven and a half, but that's not available everywhere. So as an alternate, if you can't work in the Bears, look toward the Saints. With that money line north of minus 270, you could do a lot worse than asking the Saints to win outright. And this is also a rare week with enough teams to possibly fit an eight-team teaser. That's worth a flyer where you have a 15 to 1 payout being offered. I'd make this type of bet good for one-tenth of a unit. Some additional options on top of what we've already discussed. The Raiders, that could be a good way to get an extra half point, neutralizing the extra big on the plus three, getting them up to plus nine, and also the Browns up to plus eight and a half. Of course, I like the Ravens to cover against the Browns, but this bet is only a small flyer, and for the return being offered and the number of teaser candidates on the board, I think it's fine to include the Browns. Even if the Ravens cover, the numbers of three through seven could open up a wide middle to cash both the Ravens side of things and the Browns leg of the teaser. And putting the props in props and hops, regular listeners will be relieved to hear no Chargers first quarter bet this week. That was a disastrous showing last week. The one silver lining, the lone optimal decision Anthony Lynn made was to defer after winning the coin toss. So no edge on getting the first possession blows up the logic behind the first quarter bet. And that means no more temptation to keep on betting it. So let's return to the bread and butter here with the props. Looking at the Packers and Lions, shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. I make that good up to minus 175. This 
this game has the highest total on the board. More points are good for more touchdowns, and more touchdowns, good for the odds of some one-yard touchdowns. From a matchup standpoint, it's also a fit. Looking at the Packers, Aaron Rodgers seemingly having the year of one-yard touchdown passes. He made yet another one last week, and on the ground, the Packers seem capable of plowing it in from the goal line, especially against the Lions defense. And on the Lions side of things, they've also been a quiet one-yard touchdown darling so far this season. They've shown some efficiency punching it in on the ground, and the Green Bay rush defense, not that scary when it comes to putting up some resistance against the Lions at the goal line. Alright, rapid fire recap, Ravens minus 2.5, Colts Raiders over 51, Eagles team total under 17.5, and, and three teasers, the Packers minus 1.5 paired to the Steelers plus 8, the Titans minus 1.5 paired with the Chiefs minus 1, and a 6-team six 6-point six teaser, let's grade it as being the Packers, Steelers, Titans, Chiefs, as well as the Chargers and the Saints. Also one prop this week, Packers-Lions shortest touchdown under 1.5 yards. And as much as I like all these bets, they do come with an inherent element of risk. If you're looking for a free roll, check out the NFL Week 14 Sweet 6 contest at Dimers.com, answer six questions correctly, and win $1,000. It takes less than a minute to sign up and enter your picks at freetoplay.dimers.com. I'll include that link in the show notes for easy reference. So go ahead and take your free roll for $1,000, and with that money, you could effectively win free beers for years. It doesn't get much better than that. Alright, last but not least, the Malinsky Minute. This week's words of wisdom, everything in the forest is the forest. This quote comes from a novel, The Overstory. It was the winner of the 2019 Pulitzer Prize in Fiction, and it was quoted in The Daily's most recent Sunday Read podcast. That was a reading of a New York Times Magazine article called The Social Life of Forests, and I couldn't help but think of Dave and his visits to Mount Charleston to see the Bristlecone Pines, which he would refer to as his old friends in high places. And I think one of the big takeaways here, everything's connected. Competition and cooperation need to coexist in order to survive and definitely to thrive. From a betting standpoint, we're competing with the books, but we need to cooperate with them at the same time. And Dave was a master of this. For comparison's sake, some popular bettors today regularly refer to bookmakers as cockroaches, and meanwhile, Dave would regularly get invited to their weddings, and that level of friendship and cooperation opened up some edges for betting as well. If you think about it, we're trying to beat the sports books, but we also can't win without them. Certain books can be very advantageous to have access to for certain types of bets. For example, some books still offer minus 110 on two-team six-point teasers. Those types of books are especially valuable on a week like this. There are some books that also offer a lot of square lines. It made it really nice to scoop up Cleveland plus 6.5 and, and Denver plus 14.5 last week. Other books might be slow to move on big sharp money that comes elsewhere in the market, and that can be a really valuable option to get back on good numbers even if you're a little slow on the trigger for any reason. And it can also be good to have sharp books that open early and help shape the market so you can get a read on where things are heading elsewhere. So I think a key point here is to nurture the accounts and the relationships that we have. Without enough of them, it's difficult to sustain, let alone to grow the bankroll. One more note on this point, we're also competing with each other as betters to get down on the best numbers in the marketplace, and at the same time we need sharp minds in our networks to grow as betters, and tying this in with life, we also need sharp minds in our networks to grow as people. It's been a year of social isolation, but that doesn't mean the impacts of our words and actions play out in isolation. Again, everything affects everything, so let's do our best to do the right thing, even if it's purely from a self-serving standpoint with no altruistic intent. Cooperation is one of the best best competitive advantages within our grasp. 
All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of Props and Hops. I know we ran a little long. I guess that was destined to happen with a full slate and a lot of fascinating angles to break down. Thank you so much for listening. If you found any value in this episode, please share it with a friend who could benefit as well. And to keep the conversation going, join the community of like-minded people in the Dimers.com Facebook group. On the Facebook app, simply search Dimers, tap Groups at the top of the page, and it should be the top result. If you're on the web browser, check out Facebook.com groups slash dimerscom. I'll drop that link in the show notes for easy reference. It's a secure place to talk openly about sports betting, share picks, and have some fun engaging in betting activity in the spirit of cooperation with each other, plus a healthy dose of competition to make the best bets. We had a good thread on teasers this week in the group. I look forward to seeing how that plays out on the field on Sunday and Monday. And on that note, let's get out there and enjoy week 14 in the NFL. We'll be back at it next Friday to break down week 15. And until then, let's bet well, let's drink well, and let's be well. Yeah.